You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're back with a Film Friday. A long-awaited, long-anticipated Film Friday return. Indeed. Triumphant <laughs> return. So we're here and we're talking about The Thing. Yes, we are. The original Thing. Holy shit, 1982. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Andrew is giddy right now. A little bit. Yeah. And speaking of Andrews, <laughs> shout out to Andrew Gable. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Forgotten Darkness Podcast because... He suggested this, along with a ton of other listeners, mm-hmm. suggested this movie because it's a badass movie. But you suggested this, so shout out to you. Thank you. Because, of course, Film Fridays are supposed to be listener-suggested movies. So if you guys have a movie you want us to cover, horror, sci-fi, look at the ones we've covered already and think about it and uh, send them to us. They got to be weird. <laughs> Straight up strange. I right? mean, we covered Killer <laughs> Clowns from Outer Space, so like, give us some more of that. Yeah, we love that kind of stuff. Yeah, but today we're, we're kind of getting, well, to be honest, like, it is definitely a sinister movie. It has the 80 vibe, 80s vibes, I should say. Like, you know, as far as the special effects, I loved it. The visuals oh, God, are amazing yes. throughout the whole thing. So fun. And, you know, John Carpenter does a classic job with this one. And I love the cinematography, all those wide-angle shots, all the, the desolate landscape scenes, and, like, the, the music to pair with it. Absolutely. There are so many amazing things about this movie. This you guys don't have to wait till the end to know how we feel about this one. Like this is one of the greatest sci-fi horror movies ever made, and its sequel, or not so much sequel, but you know what? It's prequel. The, its prequel was awesome as well. And we're not going to cover that on this show, but we might talk about it a tiny bit. But um, we're just covering 1982. Yeah. So Kurt Russell's the star. <laughs> Mac. More like his hair is the star. <laughs> oh man, that was a mop on him for sure. That was amazing. And it was a like real a lion's mane. Adam's beard. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Really, that one scene, like, this is kind of more than halfway into the movie when he ends up banging on the door from outside, and just the way he looks, he kind of looks like Father Christmas, the way oh, everything's all... Oh, yeah, he's, all like, like, all frostbitten, like, just, yeah. just crisped out there. Yeah. Oh, he, he did a great job, though. The whole cast was like, pretty solid. You know what was funny, though? Like, in the in the prequel, the, the more recent one, there was women obviously in the cast and this one we are completely absent None. from any sort of what's female that called role. there's a name for that emily told my sister emily check out emaru podcast there's a name for that in film really there's like absolutely no women in a movie i in can a think cast. of a lot of different things that i oh there's many, and this of course <laughs> this is in the 1980s actually. right so yeah. this, that's why it became like there's a term for that okay but the, yeah it could have seriously used uh, some sort of a female character at some point in that movie. really could have but besides the point, like, of that, they did do a really fun job with the characters, even though, like, they don't do a lot of, t- like, they don't spend a lot of time developing with all the, like, you know, like, a lot of pointless dialogue or whatever. 
but you do get the gist of all of them and they're fun. They're like a band of miscreants essentially. And I love the way this movie picks up because once you see the prequel, it makes even more sense. And we actually saw this original one before we saw the prequel. So for well, us, well, of course, everyone should have. They should because have. Because it came yeah. out in 1982, obviously. Exactly. Unless um, you were born in, well, when was the other one made? I, I think know. it was like 2009 or something. Okay. But even, even, even then, it was around. So the way it picks up is with an Norwegian helicopter, and it's basically just like beelining it, chasing this dog. Right. And it... It, to me, it's kind of a weird sequence because obviously the dog is running at dog-like speed. It's a real dog in the set, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like the superhuman special effects thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like this funny thing where this chopper is trying to chase down this dog, can't do it, is seemingly an endless pursuit, and then stumbles across this U.S. base. And 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 so, like, there's so much of John Carpenter's, like, just badass directing in this first scene because he had the balls to go ahead and be like, you know what, 1982, I'm literally going to design this entire movie from Jump Street, this first scene, to be set up for a prequel because nobody would have any clue what is going on in this first scene. Like, it is so obscure. Like, imagine being in the theaters and watching this and mm. being like, what is, what is this? This r- random helicopter shooting at a husky sprinting through the snow. And that's teed up for ex- the exact reaction we get from the Americans at the base. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because he just basically comes out and he's speaking Norwegian. They can't even understand what he's saying and he just starts shooting. <laughs> so that's not really a good way to get your point across. I mean, and he's clearly shooting at the dog, though. He is. And they recognize that and they're not... But he ends up shooting one of them, too. By accident, like, yeah. yeah. And then pursues the dog, like pursues right Pursues the that. dog, accidentally blows up his own chopper <laughs> in the process, which was loaded with kerosene, which is interesting because I go back right. and examine the wreckage and, and see that they basically had a, a bunch of explosives at their disposal. And obviously they're set on destroying this creature, which is kind of, if you think about it, when they just let this dog stroll through the front door and literally it's seen like laying underneath the pool table all cavalier like and you're like dude like there's clearly a reason why this 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 foreign guy wanted him dead it does seem like a and even when they go back right because they go back to the norwegian base and they see more of this carnage let's get to that then so yeah they they have this incident right at the beginning and then they're like okay well this base isn't that far away we can get there in an hour hour there hour back the weather is shit But Mac goes up anyway, Mm -hmm. and it's just him and the doctor, or one of the two doctors. I believe it's Blair is the first Mm -hmm, doctor that mm -hmm. he goes with to Mm -hmm. uh, the Norwegian base. Of course, everything's in Norwegian in all their notebooks. But yeah, they find the toasted, amalgamous mass of humans and non-human, what is clearly like a biological entity that should not be, that is melted into the snow. That is your, like, that is, I... That's a, that's a huge red flag. Not to mention the fact that the base is totally destroyed. There's axes with blood all over the walls. And, and you know, like, it, it, there's a lot of red flags going on here. Not to mention, <laughs> well, not to mention that the team, they, they realize that the team had only been there for eight weeks. And that's a really short time to get something like cabin fever, exactly. right? Where everyone goes crazy. Like, that's not a very plausible Could situation. Can you imagine how ominous it would be to find out that that's only how long they'd been there and be like, mm, great. Yeah. Our number one explanation's out the window. Exactly. So then what do you do? Obviously, they want to go and examine and they come back. And that was just, I even said, I was like, wait a second. I don't remember this part. They literally transport the gross, like, massive weirdness in the helicopter with them. 
all the way back to their own base. Well, or at least part of it, or it's sort of... It yeah, looked like the whole well, thing, because they do I an mean, autopsy. Yeah, I mean, Max, like, grab, like, find me a shovel. And then it just cuts to them back at the base. So it's like, obviously, they dug it out, yeah, and loaded it onto the chopper somehow. It's, you know, put it onto a tarp. It's obviously partly frozen, I guess, but it would still be the smoldering mass of, like, clearly, like, not something you want to be near whatsoever. That's a bold move. That's a bold move. It is, and it's kind of dumb, in my opinion, especially after all of what's happened already. It's It, it was kind of, like, not played out that well, I guess, if they were trying to go for the angle that, like, the doctor wanted to bring it back on the off chance of winning a Nobel Prize or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, we have to bring this back. But they didn't just show that dialogue. They didn't. All they said was, like, we need to bring back the notes. That's all the doctor said. He wanted the notes. And then McCready right. was kind of the one that... That seems more practical. To bring back the notes. Yeah. Gather them leave, up. Leave everything. It's it's the Arctic. It's not going to like rot. Well, I know you don't have Google Translate either, but the notes, yeah. you can get them figured out. You know what's funny too? Like I really appreciated the fact that um, Superstitions by Stevie Wonder was playing in that scene when, right after they take off right in the chopper. And then nice. it's, it's still at the U.S. base and there's one of the guys and he's like rocking it. And it's like, it's so, nice. it's a perfect kind of foreshadowing thing. And yeah. So that yeah. guy's name is Nalls. Uh, he's the cook uh, played by T.K. Carter. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah, very uh, a perfect song to be playing. Yeah. In a way. This is also where, because obviously the dog is in the base with them. And I really liked how you get a lot of these, like I already mentioned, all these like long drawn out wide ankle shots of the landscape and peeping Tom like shots through windows. Like as soon as they enter um, the, the Norwegian base, you get that shot of them exiting the helicopter, but it's through, it's almost as if someone's watching them. And then, and then you get these, like these gaps in the narrative too, like hours that have passed. And then it's like, it kind of picks up again. So you're like, mm-hmm. wait a second here. Yeah, you have to fill it in. Kind of, yeah. It definitely leaves spaces for you to kind of, you know, you imagine know, what might have happened. Especially yeah. when they realize, like, when the the other doc ends up questioning, oh, what's his name? I can't remember the top of my head, but the guy that had been alone in the rec hall with the dog for like an hour and a half, and he yeah, just like so kind of looks um, at him, and he's like, that was mm, Clark. Clark uh, played yeah. by Richard uh, Masser. and he was basically he seemed to be just like the dog keeper slash kind of the you you know the maintenance yeah. slash utilities guy. Like he's got that going on or whatever yeah he's of course one of the first to go because he's in yeah direct contact with this dog he's the first one to find what ends up being a very disturbing scene and the actual realization from everyone in the base that clearly something super fucked up is going on here and this is now an explicit episode and it should be because it's the thing and uh they find all these poor dogs because clark finally puts it into the pen with all the other huskies it starts spraying, like, of course, it starts to transform, right? Mm-hmm. And all the dogs realize that this is not a dog. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it starts Aww, to sprout those crazy tentacle things, which is, like, prevalent throughout the entire movie, which is the most terrifying, horrific thing in the entire world to me, like, right? Like, that spastic movement of, like, the, like all those crazy, like, red tentacles that come out of its back opens up like I a wonder- flower. I wonder how they did that, like the, the effects oh, wise. Know, like right? that was hilarious. They I must mean, have had a fan and like some like you know like really slimy little like weird, <laughs> almost like silicone like things. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and just going erratically like that though. I pretty... guarantee, um, Stranger Things writers got so much influence from this movie, and obviously movies like it from the eighties because the a lot oh, of moments yeah. in this it opens up very much like the Demogorgon would in Stranger Things. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, the opening it is very flower like. Totally. Yeah. It starts spraying the dogs with what is clearly like just a toxic 
corrosive substance. And then next thing you know, it's once again, like what they find outside of the Norwegian base, this crazy amalgamous blob of like just mutilated dogs that are still alive. And this is where we get into weird concepts of consciousness and like what is going on right now with like the blending of cells and DNA and like the takeover of like what is an alien life form. A parasite. A parasite. But it's morphing into these other things, but they're still all together. It's like, oh, it's so weird. It does remind me of, um, oh, shoot. What was the one with Natalie Portman that we watched? Annihilation. Yeah, Annihilation, where it's like the amalgamation leads to annihilation in a sense because you just become a part of everything and everything is part of you. Annihilation would have been like the dialed back version of the thing, basically. Kind of, yeah. Because this thing is just... It's kind of a little more in your face. Indeed. It's so funny though. Anyways, it's, it's, it's great visually. It's not funny, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. We forgot to mention that like at the base, at the Norwegian camp, they actually found video footage too. They found like a camcorder type thing. Right. And they bring it back and they end up watching it and seeing that these guys have essentially like blasted the ice and discovered something large. And of course, they end up finding where it is. They see yeah. the crater. They know where it all went down. That was and, interesting because uh, they said it had to have been like the bottom of that. The ice would have been at least 100,000 years old. And there was a ship. So for them, I mean, it's wild, obviously, to think how ancient what they're dealing with might be. Mm-hmm. Because there's been so many species that have come and gone that were formidable creatures. And now you have this thing that's just, and it's so funny. Like that's, it's the greatest title ever too, right? Because you can't help yeah. but say this thing, that thing, what is going on here with this? You have, there's nothing else to call it, but that other than a monster, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, exactly. Right. It is a monster. It, yeah. So, okay. Where are we at here? Because they end up translating a couple of the Norwegian documents too. Yeah, And like, they I wanted to get to that point because that's like, getting towards halfway through they know what's going on is like super messed up but mac ends up in the truck with one of the other doctors i can't remember which one what's that guy's name we've got the cast list here oh it was um Mm -hmm. copper and blair were the two doctors right so dr copper played by uh richard dysart hold on decent i don't know how to pronounce that anyway um but yeah he he realizes like that's a that's a really good scene it's super ominous he's sitting in the truck cab i think or something like that right yeah and he's like ends up getting to the bottom of this translation he's like they're not dead like the bodies are not dead we've torched them but the these there's still cellular activity going on here yeah and they look at each other like okay Uh oh and then right away the um radio guy the telecommunications guy comes sprinting out and something's happening bennings that's the transitions that do really well in this movie they come to a realization and then there's not some sort of like a stupid cut to black and then there's like more dialogue before something actually happens. You get a realization and then you get action immediately after. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I love about this movie. Yeah, no, totally. And the the action sequence that comes right after this, obviously, because they find Bennings and he's basically being destroyed by the thing, being absorbed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you get this scene where essentially Bennings is burnt in the snow and he's got these massive tendril like things exploding out of his hands and they just torch him and leave him. And before they do though, like he lets out this roar. It's this like animal roar. That's almost like a Godzilla roar. And you hear that a couple times in the movie. There was one scene earlier on where you get that too. And it's just epic. It's like, what did they steal that right out of like the old school Godzilla's? Cause like, that's exactly what it sounds like. 
not of this earth is what it is. Yeah, no kidding. Super freaky. It's all it's, these oh, spongy little things. That, oh, it's just so nasty. And then when it splits apart, because like, remember the autopsy scene where the head kind of comes off because the whole body's being burnt from the top. And so right. it just splits off. And I feel like and I'm it's kind of... these like these pockets of like these bubble-like things. Yeah. Reminds me kind of of what they used in Alien, the original Aliens. Remember that when they had oh, the original, yeah. um, the, the cyborg that gets his head chopped off kind of thing. And there's these same kind of weird milky, spongy Very things. Very much so. I feel oh. like I'm I'm slightly getting like some characters kind of mixed up here from a couple of scenes because I'm trying to remember like which doctor it was that gets his arms chopped off when he's doing the autopsy. Like remember they're, they're doing an autopsy, right? Or no, 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 I, not an yeah. autopsy. They're trying to save they were someone. Gonna, Who was it they're, they're trying to save? They're doing the I mean, defibrillator. They're going to restart <laughs> yeah. him. On, I think it was on Vance uh, Norris, I think. It was, yeah, I'm it was someone. Which character? Think, it's a big cast. I think There's it actually... was Doc Blair. Okay, okay, but that has to be probably one of the most comic booky, like funny parts of the movie, right? Because totally. the chest, there, the the entire torso, like everything, the chest cavity and torso and stomach and everything just collapse, and it's just this giant set of teeth. It's just a mouth. Like, <laughs> everything's a mouth. Everything's a mouth all the time. <laughs> it doesn't matter where. It's just gonna bite you no matter what. But yeah, clamps off his arms. That was pretty awesome. Very, very, there's a lot of interesting things. Okay, so when we start to get into these later scenes, right, and there's another scene where they're all standing around outside, and the one guy's got the torch, and I think it's Clark, and he says, um, there's this, the thing, it wants to hide and disguise itself, yet he looks at all of them, and he's like, I know some of you are human, or else you would all attack me. And he he knows that it, it is powerful when it's hidden, but vulnerable in the open. And he just like makes that statement. And he also says the idea, or sorry, this is from Dukes. And he also said that it can um, multiply from such a small amount that they should all prepare their foods separately right. and prepare it from canned foods. Right. So there's no chance of contamination with anything else. Because that would be such an easy way to just yeah. mess with everyone. Oh, for sure. But like, that that's the part about it that's so crazy because it's like i'm trying to remember the new one the prequel like the monster that comes out of the ice is like it's it's a it, it looks like an alien from like a alien right pretty much whereas like here we don't ever get that it's just the it's just some sort of an entity that's comes in the form of a dog to begin with and then all you get is this crazy weird disgusting biological just anomalous nonsense right yeah um yeah it's very like it's kind of insect like but not really kind of arachnid like but again not really it's just a blob it's everything right but it's like even when they test the blood so like when mac is going around and he's hit his breaking point and he's got everyone tied to the chairs and he's got his flamethrower they take blood samples from everyone and he heats up a nail or a needle or whatever Mm -hmm. to to see because on the cellular level it's resisting like it's trying to survive unlike just regular human blood cells would obviously right yeah so it's like this thing this thing (laughs) i mean does it have a central brain it's like we see it in the prequel and it's clearly got a head and legs and arms and it's an alien entity of some kind right i think it's more like hive mentality thing almost like in stranger things right where it's like it's all connected somehow but at the same time it has it has um, a certain amount of autonomy and like you saw that obviously because it jumps out of the the, the um, little petri dish that he has right. and kind of transformed into this weird spongy mass of yeah it grows a little bit and just like does something else yeah 
freaky. <laughs> freaky deaky, man. <laughs> I, oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things about this version of the creature. That one scene where the head of the body, when it separates, oh my and God. then it basically is like a spider. It's got four legs on each side, and then it has these, like, these... It almost looks like two... Um, what are those, like... The things that reach up from a submarine and like see. It looks like two of those just sprout out. Totally. It's like these two like blobby eyeball things. And, and it's like, what? I but know. then the, the the head still has the, the, it has most of the features. It, it does. The, the nose, I think it still has the eyes. It has oh, the mouth that's yeah. still like chomping Absolutely. too. Absolutely. It's like a two headed creature crazy thing. And that, you know what? And like, then the guy's just like, you gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me. <laughs> like, what else would you say How, to that? What else could you possibly say? After everything None. that's gone in, and then you still get that, like, two seconds after you torch the body. But you know what? They Like, that was so realistic because it came, the head comes off, the head separates because it's the one piece not being torched and it's trying to survive, and lands upside down. So, of course, the legs sprout out and the head's upside down. I'm so glad they did it that way. Instead of for somehow, some way, next thing you know, you see this head and it's right side up with a bunch of spider legs coming mm-hmm. out of it just to be freaky. Just to be freaky, man. You know what I'm saying? Just to be freaky. Are you glancing over at the cables here to make sure our cat has not been chewing through our it definitely recording has, cables? And I just noticed, and it's not looking good. <laughs> Let Is me that just so? say that. Is that so? Yeah. Okay, don't even touch it right now because we're recording okay. and you might. Okay. You can yeah. say something. I'm saying something. (laughs) I'm saying stuff. At the same time, though, okay, so we're kind of getting down to the end of it, right? Because at this point, you get another huge scene where another guy explodes into another monster. You get another showdown. All these guys are strapped to a couch. Like, how terrifying is that? Not to mention how lucky it is that that thing just, like, it basically just leaps out of its bonds, bonds, I should say, and onto the ceiling. You would think it would just kind of latch onto its nearest victims, which are right beside it. But let's not go there. Anyways, that was so funny too. And he's like, he's the guy that almost looks like Brit from Flight of the Concords. He's got the black hair. And he uh, he just like stares at this thing. He's like, dude, you got the gun. Like, what are you doing? And then he just like gets his head like chomped onto it. It's just like, Ugh. you're useless, man. You knew from Jump Street that guy was useless. Kind of. Yeah, he was He was squirrely, man. Like, oh, he yeah. was not someone you want to no. be around. No. In a situation like this, at least. Definitely. Or ever, probably. Or ever. Yeah. Yeah, why did it not latch on to those guys right next to it, though? Like, they're just sitting there. You know what I mean? doesn't make much sense It doesn't, really. That was kind of weird. And then in the end, that's how they kind of figure out. They come to grips with the fact that there's, like, four main survivors left, which quickly dwindle, too, right? We get this final kind of showdown, and this they all get separated, of course. Classic. Classic, right? <laughs> how much more classic does that get? And then the very end... All you see is like it's kind of an ambiguous ending. Like, what did you? How do you feel about the ending of this movie? Well, no, I like the ending. I definitely like the ending. I mean, right before, before we quite jump to the ending, though, like I do have a question for you. Do you think because it's kind of hard to tell the exact breaking point of Mac, other than maybe when he gets locked outside because they think he's one of them. He, they think he's one of he's mm-hmm. a thing because they find because Nalls finds his torn up shirt outside of his bunk, right? That's a big red flag. But of course he's not because he goes on to continue to try to kill these things the entire time. But the thing disguises itself and to protect itself, if it thinks it can kill everything else in the camp, yet kill a lot of it, obviously, but still survive. Ah, but see, there's where, like, this is where, 
this is the most interesting thing about this, all of this to me from like getting to like the science idea of behind everything, because it's like, okay, is it just sort of like a partial takeover, like in a way? So it's like the brain is still a little bit you like, but still being controlled or it's an exact replica because when they do this, they show the little kind of like imaging of like the cells taking over each other and stuff. It's like, it's total replication, Mm -hmm. which would mean that, there's memory embedded in our DNA of exactly who we are. So as soon as the thing takes over Mac, it is Mac. And it has all his idiosyncrasies. It knows all his little quirks, his history, his past, his memory, how he's reacted and what he's said to other members of the group before he became a thing so that he can act the part as a thing to continue to survive throughout the rest of the movie. That's kind of the question. That's a big question about this movie, right? Is Mac one of them or not well that's a question with all of them well i mean with childs as well they sit there at the end if you want to get to the end and they're sitting there looking at each other being like huh you a thing you a thing i don't know this is the thing that neither of us know that's (laughs) just it too and once you get down to one out of the two then you would think that the one would overtake the other but you don't know if that's the case because the thing is with mac is like yeah you do get that very brief sequence where they see his torn up shirt in the snow and they pick it up and then it's just very brief and then it cuts to another scene and and then you're left wondering this whole time right is he one of them is he not you see the blood scene right the blood test where he's like well here it is and he's one you know he doesn't react but did he mess with that right did he take someone else's blood was he the one that potentially because they were going through that whole idea of sabotage right someone got to the, the actual blood so may like you know like it depends on who had access right and, and of course they blamed that on what's his name let's see this guy here yeah um, that kind of dweeby looking guy that was palmer well he was like captain of the group or whatever like he was the only one who had a gun at all times. Like the mm-hmm. shotguns were in a cage other than him. As far as we know. I mean, that's what we saw. All they had was like, cause he's the guy who shot the Norwegian. Yeah. yeah he when he first like gun. came in and started freaking out. Yeah. So then, yeah, you kind of get down to this, this final scene where they're both sitting there in the snow and they have a flask and they're passing it back and forth. And that's all we get. That's, so, that's... so you're saying to me that you think Mac was infected, was a thing. An alien. I'm saying it's plausible because the thing that's influencing me too is, is the prequel, right? Where you get down to the final two and remember okay. there's that scene where they're in the truck and they're, and then she kind of looks over at him and then she has the realization, the epiphany. And then she's like, no, like you're, you're one of them. And then she ends up killing him. And that's this whole, like, you know, like so, that's kind of coloring my situation on the whole. Yeah. Because that's the prequel. But are they, but are they both human then? Are you taking that approach? There's, 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 well, I mean, there's, okay, there's only two explanations. They're either both human or they're both not human, right? That's the only way that the both Mm -hmm. of them are sitting together there at the end, trying to figure out if the other one's actually human or not, I guess. Because at that point you're either, I don't know, like your cells are, your cells are so committed to the part as being this replica that you have to like think twice if the other replica isn't a replica. Mm. Like, I, sorry, I just like, no, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm drinking cider, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's kind of strange. So, here's my theory I think I'm leaning like 60 40 that Childs and Mac at the end are human. They're the ones, they're, they're the ones who make it through to the end. Childs is like the bullheaded guy who like will not die because he's just like, 
You know what I mean? He's He's been resisting Mac this entire time. He's the one who wanted to be in charge, which was a red flag as well. Mac, on the other hand, is just like all of a sudden became this guy wielding a flamethrower at everybody and tied everyone to a bunch of chairs and stuff. But it's like, I probably would have done the same thing. Would you not have done the same thing? Yeah. It's like these people aren't your friends. You're working with them. It's like, if you have that, I'd be like, no, like, screw you guys. I'm going to make sure. Give me the blood. I'm going to make sure. Yeah. No, I would. If I didn't trust them, then I would definitely be feeling the same. The flip side would be they're both the thing. And the reason that they both, that that, uh, Mac went ahead and blew up the entire place was based on an earlier comment that he made being like, it wants to be cold. It is very much like the, uh, the stranger things monster because he makes Mm -hmm. the comment about how, you know, obviously it's afraid of heat. Like it dies when you torch it. And then also it wants to go back to sleep. It wants to go back to sleep for a recovery team to come and find it again Mm -hmm. because it's done everything it can do here. Once it, once it consumes everything. I know, that's the other thing too. Like if you had more of an alliance between the two guys setting out, like, you know what I mean? We don't get that. We just get them sitting there like they're accepting defeat. Like even Max says that like one point, like closer to the end of the movie, he says that no one's getting out of here between the four of them, right? And he says, no, like they, they torch everything. So well, there was no way no... of getting out either though because the chopper and the cat had been destroyed. That's just it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you don't have shelter. You don't have food. It's minus forty. How and, do you plan on surviving? And they they bombed that little cellar, that like underground cellar where that guy was building a, a craft of some kind, like out of stolen helicopter parts. Okay, that was weird. That was do you really want to strange. backtrack to that for two that seconds? Is, yeah, I was like, whoa, I don't remember this from the last time I watched right. it. Like, I kind of blanked on that one. That what do you what do you make of that? Because he's like, oh, we'd rather be any place but here. But like, what is that really? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a weird tangent in the story. Because, like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, that, that's just me. That's long term project, right? For this episode, actually, because I'm trying to think. Like, he was obviously not human. No, no. Like, because that was long term. It's not like he started that overnight. Like, that was an assemblage of a bunch of stolen parts. So right. he clearly was working on it for a while. You would but imagine. how long had the Americans been there for? Well, that's another question. Right. Too. So it's not like they had been there for that long. Longer than, longer than the Norwegians, though, for sure. Like, they were definitely more established than that mm-hmm. group. I still can't believe it. I still find it pretty just wild that you would make a movie in 1982 designed for a prequel that doesn't come out until the mid-2000s. But that just <laughs> leads to the question, do you think we're going to see a sequel to this? I mean, it's prime for one. It is. Obviously. I kind of mm-hmm. hope we do because I was really satisfied with the prequel and I think we're probably going to cover it like next week or maybe the week after for another film Friday. Like the next film Friday will be the thing again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I hope, I hope there weren't too many spoilers in this because you guys should know by now that we want you to watch the movies before you listen to film Friday. So go watch the prequel to this movie. And, and then uh, we'll discuss it together. Yeah. Sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any comments to make about my whole the whole DNA thing before we finish this all off? That was kind of like my final thought of the day here today. Like, as I talked about this with Zeng, this podcast with Zenger, I mm-hmm. went on his show and we talked about this when we covered The Thing and a few other movies. And it was just like, it, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's like pure, pure memory, like on the cellular level. It's pretty wild to think either that or this or The Thing is just capable of like, I, I know. For off the top off the top of my head, like I do recall even when we were in university, like reading papers that alluded to that and like research going on that does connect um living tissues to memory. 
and uh, and how our, you know our consciousness is embedded right in a, in, a, in a physicality but whether or not that's transferable is kind of the question because you do get instances where people will report like say people that have had um like eye transplants or they've had right. a heart transplant or something like you know what i mean and they they feel a connection to something that isn't them right and i think it's especially strong with people that have ocular um transplants and things like that uh, it's almost like a third sight or something like and, you know, like I'm just pulling this out of my memory from years and years ago, like reading into this, but it's definitely something that is put forth by some people and, and I think is actively being researched, if not has been in the past. So that would be fun to even just dive into that a little bit definitely. further because that's, that's really all I can speak to about it. Um, yeah, of course we're not deep, experts. Yeah, that's detail. definitely a, de- a deep dive for another day, but definitely a yeah an entity far beyond our recognition in this film yeah so then the other question is do we get memories from the things we eat (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, probably not we probably just digest them and then poop them out yeah that sounds more i don't think we quite have the uh yeah the biological capabilities of this creature in the thing maybe one day one day one day all right you guys well Thank you so much for joining us for this, yeah, this long-awaited return of Film Fridays. Mm-hmm. And once again, thank you to Andrew Gable and to all of our listeners and all of our yeah. Patreon supporters. You guys are amazing. New episode is up on the Weber Monster, which is this pretty uh, badass Canadian case. So go check it out. Mm-hmm. Check out our Patreon. And uh, yeah, until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bazaar. is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.